kind of tell us it's impossible for a prophet to perish away from Jerusalem. That's the place where uh, things happen. That's God's central hub city in regards to redemptive history. And I mean, the book of Jeremiah, it's, 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 it, that's the city that has a lot of focus and it will in um, the end as well. I mean, the end is in the eschaton, the last things. There's going to be a major significance in Jerusalem, but we'll get there when we get there. And some people, and someone, some, someone, one person, said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? We've probably wondered this out of the grand scope of everybody right now who's alive and everybody who identifies as a Christian. I see studies that say there's 1.7 billion Christians on the planet right now. And I mean, that's, that's everybody who just identifies as one. I mean, the, 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 in, in any given church, you, as Jesus teaches, sad, sad, sobering truth that you have the wheat and the chaff and you have, and we all want to believe, you know, God's mercy is, is massive regardless of how big we, a view we have of it. Um, but we all want to believe that it's a favorable number, that it's most, that it's many. But he's going to make, you know, is, 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 is it all or is it a remnant? If you look throughout the whole, whole of scripture, you can see God has always used and saved a remnant. Um, and to ask this question, um, he must the, the person who asked this, um, I mean, just, just to be wondering about such a thing, had to hear the standard that Jesus presents within his teaching and look around and, I'm not seeing a lot of this. And so he goes right to the Lord and asks. Lord, will those be saved be few? And he said to them, so someone asked and he said to them, use this as a teaching opportunity. It's vital for this to be more than one direct question. Everybody can hear. Um, strive. Strive to enter the narrow door is, Jesus, is how Jesus answered this. Essentially, he's saying, yes, it will be few. But more than that, he's saying, uh, what Peter says in his epistle, um, confirm your election. And Peter, yeah. yeah, work to confirm your election. Make your calling and election sure. Make your, thank you, Joe. Make your calling and election sure. Uh, 1 Timothy, this word strive. Um, 1 Timothy uh, 4.10 says this. All right. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. There's that distinction again. Hebrews 12, uh, 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. As if, uh, keep on striving. There's, a, there's an exhortation there. First um, Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In 1 Corinthians 9.25, every athlete exercises self-control in many 
receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable prize. About that striving there, and our striving, just on a note on that, is not our mustering of strength and our white knuckling, it's his. We strive in the strength of the Lord, according to um, Ephesians 6, strive in his strength. And First Peter says, strive in the strength from the Lord. That's, that's the, it's the, there's no way to strive without faith in him. So in other words, people are striving to get saved on, in the flesh. That's a lot of energy. And we rest in Christ when we're when we go through that door. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think that we're saved or we're going to heaven. Let's yeah. say because of good works and all that. But good works are good works are good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think they really believe that they're good people, and uh, that, yeah. that uh, is not giving the Lord the uh, praise or the worship that He deserves mm. because of Him. Going to the cross. Right. Well, do you, I think I felt that before I found, you know, before I had a relationship with Jesus, that I was a good person. And, of course. You know, yeah. 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 That's yeah. the natural. Yeah. You know, I think that's a, yeah, the natural. That's the norm. Yeah, that is the norm, but we think we're good and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to other people, we might be okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that's what we do. We, we compare ourselves with our bad days and our good days and with each other, but we don't compare ourselves with the Lord, and that's when we see the massive disconnect. You know when we're convicted by yeah. the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and someone will come to me and say well you're a good person you're, you're going to be alright you're going to go to heaven you know or, yeah. uh, I don't believe that I'm not going to take my trust on what that person told, tells me I'm on my way to heaven Right. Yeah. I, and that happens you know well you're a good person because that happened the one time when I was at a funeral of my own my uncle died. Your own funeral? You were there? It was me, she said it to. It was my aunt that said, you know, I don't know if we should take communion because we were in a Catholic church, but I was supposed to be Catholic. She said, you should go, you're a good person. And yeah. That's what, you know, but I thought about whether I should have went to, they had communion at, mm -hmm. the, at the Catholic church in Nile. A lot mm -hmm. of people think they're going to heaven, like Muhammad or, or uh, what yeah. was that other fellow? No, uh, the, the fellow that's in India, from India, he lived a hundred years ago. Gandhi? Yeah. 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 Gandhi. Gandhi. Yeah, but he was a good man. You know, Rich, this is a question I hear a lot from family members even. Quite a lot of my family don't go to a church and we don't really believe much of anything. And one of the big arguments is always, well, what about the poor Hindus or Muslims, it's not their fault they don't know Jesus, you know. They're sincere and they're good. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm not judging them personally. I think they're wrong. From what I read in the Bible, mm -hmm. these people are wrong. I leave their judgment to God. Right. You know? That's what pretty and much Leonard said this Leonard morning. said this morning, we, we, we don't look at the question at hand. We're saying, well, what about this? What about... We should you know? worry about ourselves. But no, yeah. I mean, it's, are yeah. we in the faith or are we fooling ourselves? That's right. It's, mm -hmm. that's hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, you read the Bible, I think, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so far ahead. You know? <laughs> yeah, and you, and you, you, and you yeah. think that's going to, you, you think it's going to be better like next year or something, yeah. but then you're a year further into your sanctification and you're, you yeah. just see your sin deeper. It was this, right. it was the same, 
your sin was at the same depth it was when you were on a mountaintop. Yeah, yeah it, it, you just he didn't give you that's sight right. into it then, and we that's how he sanctifies his people. We, he keeps our he keep you know it's the thorn in the flesh that he gives Paul, the great apostle Paul, and Paul can say even though Paul's did more in a day than I'll, I've ever done in a lifetime, and. And even the Apostle Paul sees himself as the chief of sinners because he's so intimately acquainted with his own sin. And he, it's not a false humility. No. There's a difference. No, he truly sees his true state before God. The Lord shows us where we're doing well and where we're doing not so well. Yeah. And it's not like you're no good. Yeah. He's very gracious with yeah. us. We try so hard to avoid yeah. that feeling that and putting eyes on it. But that's where the grace and mercy of the Lord are the sweetest. Sure. Yeah. Sure. It's when you see your depravity. And then you see how wonderful what we have in Christ is. It's, it's like Thomas Watson said, you know, Christ is not sweet until sin is bitter. God brings us into the bitterness of us so he can show us the sweetness of his son. Um, he says, strive to enter through the narrow door. There's, so he marks that there's a, there's a place we have to go to. And what does Jesus say in John 10, 7? It's one of his I am statements. He says, he says verbatim, I, I am the door. Truly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Skipping down to verse 7. So Jesus said, again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. That's of the church. That's of his people. It's one exclusive group. In seeker-sensitive Christianity, Jesus is always presented as inclusive. But you meet the Jesus of the Bible and he is exclusive. The inclusive Jesus is easily come to and just as easily abandoned. He's he's seen as an option, not as the only choice. So we would be do good to present the biblical Jesus as he is. He's the only one that can I save. Wanted, I wanted to comment one time. Yeah. Uh, just one thing. Uh, there's also a, a story about a camel can't go through the eye of a needle because he's got all this baggage, that would mean then I have to take care and get rid of all my sin before I can enter into the door. But you're not I don't like that particular idea because yeah. you got to just like it was just as I am. Yeah. We go into the door and then things start unloading all the baggage. Yeah. But they've had messages like that where, you know, the camel could go through, but he's got all, because he, he carries a lot of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And if they could get in get in there, they would have to take all the baggage off when they get underneath there, or in, in the gate. Yeah. So, I don't know if that's a good message or not. I don't, I don't think it is. I mean, any message that doesn't agree with this message isn't a good message. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Yeah. This this truth, if it's, if okay. it, you know, if That's it right. is out of, right. out of sync with it somewhere you. along the way, then it's better to be left. Just go through the door. Just, yeah, the good thing is that uh, 
the door is in some place that we have to find the door that actually comes to us. It's walking around, so to speak. It's a moving door. Jesus came. You know, he brought the door right to you when he came before us. And he says, I am the door. Again, he's, I think he says it like three times in this I am statement. And I noticed reading through the book of John, he always repeats the I am statements at least twice. Um, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Yeah. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. And because right here, um, I tell you, many will seek to enter and will not be able because everybody's looking for a greener pasture. Uh, but Christians are those who are uh, seeking for Jesus. So the real church sees the king and the kingdom. Perhaps you could say the false disciple misses the king for the kingdom. He just sees the kingdom he wants in that. And I'm not saying it's not bad. It's a bad thing to look at the kingdom. Jesus worked to encourage each other by, um, by the kingdom in front of us. But we don't have, you know, we have no place in the kingdom until we identify Christ as its king. You can read that in John 8. Um, so the, the door, and there's a parallel passage in the Sermon on the Mountain, uh, Matthew 7, Jesus talks about the highway to hell and the narrow way. Um, if you're, you've chosen the narrow way if you're agreeing, believing, and obeying, and trusting in Christ. You're obeying him if, you're, have, if you have faith in him, if you love him, because you've tasted that preemptive love that stirred it up within you. Um, then once the master, Christians are, no, are those who see Christ as master, if he is that in your heart, I'm not saying it's a perfect love, but he, if, he, if you have any love for Christ in your heart, and if he is your master, you've, t you've chosen the narrow way. When the master of the house, see it's his, has risen and shut the door, so he says, it's a terrible thing to know that the door is shut. But he's, he's going to go on. And you begin to stand outside and knock at the door and say, Lord, open to us. Okay. Christians are those who have went through this door and had this conversation before the door was shut. We didn't wait until the door was shut to start knocking. If, if there's any part of us that fears that we haven't gone through, that we should seize that part of us and, 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 and pummel Christ with pleads to the fullest extent of ourself and repentance and begging him. That, that's not a bad religious activity to engage in. You see that throughout the scriptures, this pleading, even, though, even if you're already a Christian because you want more and you, and I, I believe he tests our face, faith in those moments when he's when we're, when we're striving to know him all the more so that we never take it for granted because something he does to preserve his saints is to back off for a little bit so that they latch back on 
I'm fearful that I've lost my mom as a little kid in a grocery store, and I'm, I'm terrified and I'm alone and I feel that, I'm going to grab hold of her in great relief all the more, even though I'm still her child, regardless of the absence I felt in, in the moment that, that when we were apart. And then he says, there's an after, where there's this knocking at the door. Um, there's the, the door shut is bad enough, but there's an after. He will stand at the door and say, the Lord opened to us. Then he will answer, I do not know you or where you come from. It's a very, that parallel passage in uh, Matthew 7 as well. Um, it's pretty much him saying, I'm not, I, I, it's, he knows who they are. He knows everybody. He will punish the just and the unjust. He knows everything about every single person ever. Um, but these people are saying, we ate and, your, and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. Saying, Jesus is he's saying, I wasn't your starting point. I wasn't your motive for living. I did, we didn't have that. You, you did your own thing in my name. And when they start, then the, you will begin to say, the, these people, they make their case and they say, we, there was, this was all religious activity to them. That's all Jesus ever was, is um, just a means, or we did this, we did that. And look, it says, we drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. They were in proximity. There is difference between being in church and being in Christ. Um, as Leonard said today, it's not you know your family upbringing. It's great to have proximity, to be, have the word. Um, many people don't have that all around the world. As he said, those people on the island of Madagascar and all around who never hear the gospel, how grateful should we be that we hear it and how, uh, how much should we heed it for that reason? You know? Um, so they heard, but they weren't adhered. But I will say to you, and he says it again, I do not know where you come from. He says, depart. So those who don't start with Christ don't end with him. And the fuller picture is those he doesn't start with don't end with him because he says and teaches, um, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. And all that the Father draws, he will keep. So there's a sovereignty within salvation here. There's a thing called the elect. And I hold this a position that's not necessarily representative of our leadership at the church. And I don't, I don't need to press into it at the moment, but uh, God is sovereign in salvation. I can't, there, there's no getting around that when you look at the Bible. God's truth is for his people. Um, the New Testament is a, is a book written to the elect. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you or where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Now, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a miracle that anyone should be saved. And we were all these workers of evil at one time. And God is not, um, he could save no one and do no one any wrong. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he says to, that, that after the door is shut and, that de, and after that departure, there's this place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those are the only two options. So in hell, there is 
extreme anguish that is unending, and their gnashing of teeth is kind of a hard thing to describe, but essentially it's, it's that railing against God. Be, you know, I was a good person. But then, and so they endlessly curse him, like anybody you see on the news who's railing against what they see as injustice. It's that, but to the max. And it turns you into a, this creature of sorrow and pure rage against God. It's kind of our true self, which was very subtle when we lived. But then it will be all we can be in hell. But look. I, I think, too, uh, it's referring to the Jews. They were so obnoxious to Christ that he's the Messiah. And that's what the story is here about. But we also, if we're not if we're not Jewish, we we fall under that same mm-hmm. thought. Yeah. Even though it was the Jews that did all the didn't want to accept them as God. There's people today, they're not Jewish, but they don't accept him neither, that he's God and he resurrected and so forth, which is the which is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And you can't just say, well, that was just only pertaining to the Jews. It's not. It's mm-hmm. pertaining to even after yeah. the resurrection. AD 70, you know, the temple was destroyed. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you can't say, oh, that's just pertaining to the Jews. It's pertaining to all of mankind. If you don't believe in the resurrection and that Christ is God, I think there's condemnation. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, we're not just being targeting only to one certain group of people, mm-hmm. but it is to here. Yeah. Because he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he knows he's only got a couple of days. He's going to be on the cross. Yeah. But he rose again. Right. And he's coming back. That's he's true. Really and he's coming back. And he's coming back. And That's how that. much That's of a comfort is it even hearing the heavy stuff that we are right now in this, in this passage? This is a stark passage. This 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 is a. That's we can all feel the weight of it, yeah, right? Yeah, that's and right. so, that's right. how great is it that the one who's warning of us, uh, warning of these things, then goes to the cross himself and makes it possible, you know, to enter that door? And we got the revelation now. Right. That's what you're talking about. And the cross of Christ makes, lifts all our weight. You know, remember that. Like, that's how you see Christ throughout your whole Bible because there's not a verse in here about self confidence about self-esteem. It's not, it's not there. And when we read the Bible like that, it crushes us and we tend to spend all our time in false teaching devotions that tell us what we want to hear. And so, you remember the gospel and as, as the Bible is doing, its, as the Spirit's doing work and reading his word and his gospel, to remember the cross. And then this text isn't something that is simply a weight on us. It's, 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 a, it's cause for rejoicing because we know what we've been saved from. You know, we're not, Christians are not those who will be on the other side of the door when it shuts. We're on the inside. We've received pasture. We've received grace. We've received Christ. And that's what he says, um, weeping and gnashing of teeth, when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these guys didn't do a thing to be saved. Um, they were just used, chosen and used by God the same as any saint. And any saint is the same as anyone in the Bible who was chosen by God. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, 
that's that's where the, the this Nash, weeping and gnashing of teeth takes place. But you yourselves cast cast out. So it's like um, the people that you think are not going to be in are in. The, just in the gospel story, the prostitutes and the tax collectors and just the town, the riffraff, the disreputable sinners that Jesus is with. Those who know their need, they're in. Not the religious who think they made it and think they're good and have this and have this image of themselves built up in society and to themselves and they're self-validated. Um, it's not them. And people will come from east and west and from north and south. And so it's not just here. It's not where you're at. It's all over. It's where this gospel message is going out. From all over the world, that's the intentions of God. Preach the gospel to every last go, you know, the great, thing, great Commission. So he's talking about in this time and from north and south and recline at the at table in the kingdom of God. You're in. You're not on the sh outside the door knocking and complaining and railing and crying and weeping. You're not in that group. You get rest. That's what recline means. It'll be a time where you can shed off all the weight and work of this and toil Um, you know, their earthly rest was in God, so their eternal rest will be too. You know, they had this pleading with him before it was too late. And they went through the narrow door who's as big as Jesus Christ, his cross, his gospel, and they came out the empty tomb with him by faith, never to die again. The fire hit Jesus for them, as Leonard was saying earlier. And behold, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. I don't fully understand that. I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Just, and so I don't want to theorize. At that very same hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. They wanted him out of their area because they didn't have jurisdiction in this place where he's at, according to R.C. Sproul. And so they don't care how he goes. Just get him out of here. They're not, they don't have good intentions. Like, they're not trying to warn him, like maybe one of his followers would say. And I love this next part so much. And he said to him, go tell that fox. Now, this Herod was a powerful man. And Jesus isn't scared at all. What's a fox? It's a cunning predator. But Jesus is no rabbit. Behold, I cast out, I'm gonna, uh, I love this, like, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow and that third day I will finish my course. He's saying, no, you're not derailing my plan anyway, but for the sake of my plan, I'm going to continue, not because you said anything. I love that. Like, what is it? Who wins in the fight, the fox or the lion? Jesus isn't worried. It's, you, there's not a tinge of hair raising on, you know, not a hair on Jesus' body raises, you know? And this is the guy who sanctioned the state-funded uh, decree to abort all the boys two and under. He had that kind of power. And Jesus blatantly says, no, I'm not going anywhere. I love that. That's, we have that savior. And this is just Herod. Pilate he also- said, Pilate said the same thing. Right. Do you know I have power over your life and death? And yeah. Jesus said, you will have any part of my father's evil. Yeah, there's not a person on earth who jostles Jesus. That's, that's my Savior. That's our Savior. 
One more thing too, if Christ, when he was on his way to Jerusalem, he knew exactly what he was gonna do, and he had, that was his mission, and he didn't advert where the Pharisees said, let's right. get him out of here, get out of here, Herod's gonna kill you. Yeah. Well, but I'm saying he had the time and he made it. Yeah. He did he wouldn't go a minute late or a minute early. Nope. And I like that about Jesus. His faith was like flint. Yeah. To go to Jerusalem. And that was his purpose. Yeah. Right. Yep. But Herod was gonna kill him. Yeah. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no. He was gonna give up his life. Yep. Yeah, he gave it up for all of us. Mm-hmm. Alright, nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow. Like, he's not leaving because of Herod. He's not copping out. He's saying, no, I have a mission. I'm going to stay on track regardless of what this guy says. Nevertheless, I must go on in today, uh, this way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. So he's on his way from Jerusalem as we started. So that, that's his trajectory. That's where he's going to accomplish redemption. Mm -hmm. And verse 30... O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Uh, Jesus does not lament as one who is hopeless, but for those whose hard hearts do not have him as their hope. Okay? O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Like he doesn't, he's not sad for himself. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not able. So he cites um, the reason, our unwillingness. He's citing the fallenness of mankind, the, the enmity with God from Genesis 3. You, we do not desire God in and of ourselves apart from God. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I think in Matthew, this gets him. It, the, Luke stops the story here, but this just makes the Pharisees lose their mind. He's saying, and we'll close here, you're not going to see me until it is blatantly obvious to all mankind, every knee bow and every tongue confess. You're not going to recognize me for all that I am until you can do no else, nothing else. So when that knocking at the door happens, that's when that takes place, and that pleading. So we have, as Christians, the gracious and merciful opportunity to at any time, through the vehicles of prayer, which is no small thing. I wish we had, I wish we had a, as big a view as prayer as we did the Lord himself, um, prayer to the Lord. It's that arena where you meet God. Sometimes I don't even pray because I know I'm going to meet him there and it scares me. Um, or I, you know, the, the, the distractions come, you know. <laughs> I'm going to sit down here for a half hour and read my Bible. And you think of the dishes, and yeah. the bills, and the emails. and the, Okay? But this place that we have to meet the Lord, I mean, we've met him through, at our justification sanctification and one day when the door closes we're going to be at home with him so heavy text father 
thank you for the words. Jesus, you said everything that the Father wanted you to, as, as you have said in the book of John. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you spoke. Thank you for uh, making things black or white, either or, in or out. It's, it's help us to see the light. And may that light consume all that we don't want it to for the sake of being owned by the light because a moment later we'll be so thankful we lost everything we did when the light exposed it. Help us to see and understand these things. Lord Jesus, you are the door. May we be your glad sheep. May we be comforted by the good news of the gospel of Christ Jesus and never stray from it, never add to it, never take away from it. May it be protect protected always and forever in this church so long as this church is here. May it come to bear all the more in this place. May you save, may you be a refuge. May, may, may this be a place where you're met and where you draw people because you're here, not because we provide great stuff and community things or a warm smile. All that is great, but may we enjoy it as your people, not just enjoy it. You've given us wonderful things, um, and these things are to be enjoyed but not worshipped. You are to be worshipped. May this be a house of worship and prayer and the truth. And may we be people who are joyfully ready for all that you would bring before us. Living in the freedom of having a seat saved on the other side, here and now. And it's for your wonderful and holy name.